Alright, so it says, verse 20, by faith, it says that Isaac blessed Jacob, and Esau concerning things to come. Then in verse 21, it says, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph, and worshipped, leaning upon his staff. And then by faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandments concerning his bones. So we have by faith, Isaac blessing Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. That's in verse 20. Then in verse 21, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying... Blessed both sons of Joseph, worshipped, leaning upon his staff. And then he says again in verse 22, By faith Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment to them. So in these three instances of pronouncements by faith, these three individuals, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, were at the point of death or in the process that is called dying. The Bible tells us that Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph. It says, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandments concerning his bones. So there seems to be a very powerful interaction between the process of dying and making pronouncements during while that process is going on of what the scripture described as dying, pronouncements concerning the future where there is a transfer of certain things when they are in that state. Now, they could have said these things before, but they said them while they were in that state. Now, let me just drop something here. All right, while I was studying the scriptures, I saw this. Um, okay, all right, let me, okay, I'll get to it. Let me just pause there. So, as they were in that process of dying there, uh, we see them... Uh, we see Jacob there worshipping. As the Bible tells us, when he was dying, he blessed the sons of Joseph, worshipped, and he leaned upon his staff. Right, so we want to look at that figuratively, how that operates in our own lives today. The process of dying, process while dying, worshipping, leaning upon your staff there where the scripture says, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me, and you are leaning upon the staff, and then you make powerful uh, proclamations at that particular point. Now, in the New Testament, this, I mean, they had to wait till they began to die physically. And what happened in the case of, of, of Isaac was that his eyes even became dim and he was blind. So Isaac says, look, I am dying now. 
called Esau and said to Esau, Go and bring me the venison that I love, that my soul may bless thee. But it was in that process there, as he was dying, he said, Now this is the time to make this pronouncement there. And those words actually stood. So this man did understand something about imparting life while you are dying. In other words, they understood that it was at that moment your pronouncement had the biggest effect. Now in the New Testament, we want to see this here, that Paul said, I die daily. In other words, when you are dying is when you should be the most prophetic. But the problem is as people are experiencing that dying, which is what we are touching on in our teachings, right? That's when people now get discouraged. Uh, people now get overwhelmed. And instead of saying the right things, actually, they start saying the wrong things. Which means they start making pronouncements, all right, during that time that, that will create negative things in their future. And now the reason is that people don't understand what you describe as the blessedness of a person experiencing death. Because when you're experiencing death in the New Testament here, it means there is a removal from your own life of something that is not part and parcel, or God didn't place it there, it is not part and parcel of his plan for your own life, in order to give room for what God himself has planned to come forth. But the problem is, all right, the concept of us being the clay in the hands of the potter. And if you go, in fact, when I got the revelation, I, told, I said, look, and I don't understand why Jake's called, Bishop Jake's called his church the potter's house, all right, in terms of the depth of that particular thing and the secret to his fruitfulness, right? Because God makes it clear in the scripture, I am the potter, you are the clay. The meaning of that is that I mold you into what I think you should be, not what you think you should be. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, if you go halfway into a potter making a vase, it's messy. It is at the end of his work that the beauty appears. While you are going through the process, it is a very messy thing. And while it is messy, when the clay is asking the potter, uh, do you know what you are doing? Which is what the scripture says here. So, and because we don't go through that process, and the way in which faith has been communicated has almost been that, look, if I just use certain principles, I can bend God. Now, we might not say it that way, but, but that, uh, I can bend God and get his power to fulfill, all right, what I ought to do. In other words, if something comes, all right, into my heart and this is what I want, then I am not going to accept any other thing apart from what I think, all right, should happen. 
And so during that process there of dying there, and that process of shaking when the Lord is, is doing certain things in the life of that person, all right, people get discouraged and start saying things. Now, so let's look at this process of death in Second Corinthians and chapter 4. Part of the matter is some of the biggest blessings you get in your life are because people choose to act towards you in a certain way. But those who are custodians of what will be big blessings cannot be controlled by your will. Are you following what I'm saying? Joseph in prison could not control Pharaoh. Uh, you understand this? You cannot control when the Bible says for kings and queens and those who are in authority. When somebody is in authority, it means you cannot manipulate the person to get or else they lose their authority. This is why people have got to understand that when you are dealing with people in authority, they, look, let, me, let me tell you that. If you are dealing with a figure in authority and they sense manipulation, they cut it. Because what you are actually saying is I want to take your authority and become the person who decides, all right, what happens in this particular place. Right? So, so in terms of that, you need to understand. And, and when you are dealing with people in authority there, one blessings there, and, and so one of the things that frustrates people, really frustrates people, and people are really, is that they can't control life. Now, you can't control life, all right? You, you cannot control people's opinions about you. You cannot, all right, if somebody thinks you're a fool, they can die thinking you're a fool. No matter what you do, they die thinking you are a fool. So what if them thinking that you are a fool will make you depressed? Then you are never going to get out of depression if it's going to be rated on that. So you must learn how to be happy while every other person around you thinks you are a fool. That's deliverance. Not changing their minds. Are you, are you following what I'm saying here? That's what deliverance is. In other words... You open the newspaper, your name is there, and they insulted you from the beginning to the end, and it doesn't affect you. You touch it and go on. Alright? So the question is, as a person, can you be, alright, in that particular kind of state? Now, let me tell you this, you are going to have a rough journey, you are going to have a painful journey, you are going to have bouts of depression if you think you can control this life. If you think that the best people around you, you can control them, you are going to run into serious trouble. Let me say this here. Someone like Elf Copeland, all right, he went to preach in a place. Somebody walked up to him, he got into town. And let me just show you how people of the Spirit operate. Somebody walked up, okay, I'll say that. Someone walked up to him and said, a preacher, and said, there's this guy inside this town who is really preaching all kinds of things. You know, I think you should come to speak to him. And Copeland said, the fact that you have said it to me that I should go and speak to him, you have interfered with whatever the Holy Ghost wants to do. I am not going to do it. What you should have done was to have talked to God to talk to me. Then you would have known whether it was the will of God for me, because it may not be me. The person needs to be talked to, but they says, pray the Lord of the harvest that he might send forth laborers. In other words, there are people that are designed for that. You ask God to send that person, not that you are the one that will go and start effecting it. So he said he's not doing it and told the guy, 
I am not doing it. Alright? So sometimes that's why the, the scripture says that uh, if you look at it, alright, it says that even Michael when he was confronting Lucifer, being that Lucifer was one of higher authority than him, he did not say, I rebuke you. He said, the Lord rebuke you. So, 2 Corinthians here and chapter 4 here, it says this, verse 3. Now, if a gospel be hid, alright, it is hid unto them who are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel, who is the image of God, shall shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus, the Lord, and ourselves servants for his sake. For God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. I want us to understand the practicality of this thing, so that we don't say God commanded light. It says, God who commanded light to shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of his glory that is found in the face of Jesus. Now, the meaning of the light of the knowledge of his glory that is found in the face of Jesus. Let's start from the back. So it says it is found, this knowledge is found. It is the knowledge of glory and it's found on the face of Jesus. What does it mean, face of Jesus? It means you find, you, you, it is found in the inward thoughts of Jesus. So if a person sees the face of Jesus, right, when he says, seek my face, if you see the face of Jesus concerning something, then the face of Jesus means the inward thoughts of Jesus, which means what Jesus is thinking. So, when he says, God who commanded light to shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give you the light of what Jesus is thinking in that particular situation. That's to know the thoughts of Jesus in that particular situation. In other words, if somebody, all right, gets an opportunity for three jobs, and he sees the face of Jesus, he knows that this is what Jesus is thinking, that take this particular job, and in the thoughts of Jesus, what I want to say is that he will, in, when you see what he's thinking there, if you're thinking about something, it's not just the thought, or right, just that this is what he's thinking, you'll know why he was there. So he says, take this because these are the reasons why you should take this particular thing. So when a person sees the face of Jesus, what I'm getting to is that, he knows what Jesus is thinking. Now, so when it says, God who commanded light to shine on darkness, that is the workers' fellowship, it's like there was darkness all around, and God says, it's like, you just have beer land. And then you call an architect, and the architect says, so what can we, you know, and then the architect comes and says, this is what we're going to do. Now, before anything is done, the architect sees the entire building in his mind. Right Before he begins to draw, he sees the entire building. He says, I want this thing to be eight stories. I want this, 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 this. So when there was darkness, God saw the earth as the earth should be. You get what I'm saying here? Yeah? All right. Then after he saw it, he's like, after you see the building, then he said, let's go and get the raw materials to fulfill this thing. So after he saw the earth, he says, we are going to need this thing that I've seen that is clear here. We are going to need, let's just say, 76,000 species to fulfill this thing. Now, let's start calling them. You understand this? 
Now, God has the capacity to create anything. Anything that was not created is not needed for the vision he saw. The only reason why he created man was that there was something he wanted to do on the earth and said, we will need a man in our image to do it. Do you get what I'm saying here? So don't overrate yourself. Do you get what I'm saying? He created you. Because it's not me and God are together. Listen, he created you and said, let us have somebody on the earth that will handle the affairs of the earth the way we handle the affairs of heaven. That will go about business on the earth the way we go about business in heaven. So let's create him in our own image. Alright? It's just like a person says, let us form a company and then draw the structure and say that people we want to do. So what I'm trying to tell you is that when you get light revelation from God in a dark situation, you know what is coming. Do you get what I'm saying? Alright? It's not just from forget. No. You know exactly that this is all right, the plan. In other words, if you go and meet the architect, all right, you sit down with the architect and he just tells you and draws it out, we'll do this here, we'll do this here, we'll do this here, we'll put this here. You ask, uh, what about this? Then he now begins to build. So it's like, now you're going to use faith, all right, to build. So uh, I'm going somewhere, you will see that all those people prophesy concerning the future, concerning things to come. Joseph told the people, all right, about their exit. This was when they were most prosperous at that time because the Pharaoh that knew not Joseph had not yet come. Joseph was still around. Israel was in its most powerful position. He and the 12 tribes there, they were in the most powerful position they could have been, all right, in the land of Egypt. That was when Joseph, on his departure, told them that God is going to and told them that, listen, my bones must be carried. We are talking about something that happened about, let's say, okay, not about 200, but let's say about 200 years later, or 300, or 100 years later. So the people he told were not around when they were carrying the bones. Do you get what I'm saying here? But he saw that bury me here when he started. So they were talking about details. So when you get revelation, I want you to see this here, you get real details about things that are coming. So it's not just think about where God commanded light and shine the hearts and then we go on. It's about real revelation there. But we have this treasure. That means, can you see why it's a treasure? Alright? The treasure there is a person, alright, knows, I mean, what is coming. So this person comes out and says, let's say, well, I lost my job. There seems to be darkness around. The earth is out for one void. And then he goes, we've said this, light in my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. And light comes, and then he knows, all right, what God wants to do. He knows the thoughts of God. He knows whether, well, we're going to start a business. He knows whether we're doing this. He knows that, all right. So he says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Then he says, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. So I want to see that the process of death is being cast down. The process of death is, all right, troubled on every side. Perplexed about things that happened. 
Because he goes on and says, always bearing about, in verse 10, in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that process there of dying is going on. And it's at the moment where they were dying and they recognized that this is when to make pronouncements about the things concerning the future. So God opens up your eyes and gives you revelation from his word and says now we want to transfer that revelation and materialize it. So we're going to take you through a process of dying and every time you experience death it says that the life of Jesus may be made manifest in our body in other words for that life to be made visible it says we that live it says this here verse 11 are always delivered unto death in other words you that live will always be delivered on to death. Alright? So you that live will always experience rejection. Do you get what I'm saying here? You that live will always experience. Knowing that it is that point where you're experiencing death that creates the platform for you to make pronouncements. Thank you listening to today's podcast to listen to the full message or any other message please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org for any inquiries please call 0818-600-0082 god bless you So it says, we have in the same spirit of faith, according as it's written, I believed, therefore have I spoken. So it says, we also believe, therefore we speak. Knowing that he that raised up Jesus shall raise us up, all right, and present us. So the message is, it's at the point when they were dying that they understood that this is a very powerful moment right in their lives very powerful moment right there very powerful moment in your own life there because it's like that's where that bond offering in fact the two accepted sacrifices in the court of of when david built the tabernacle was singing praise and thanksgiving and bond offering at the same time so they were worshiping but they had the bond offering and that bond offering there represents a person who is singing when you are perplexed. 
Do you get what I'm saying here? When, when you are troubled on every side, and you are there, all right, worshipping God, right, in spirit and in truth, and singing, that's where the sacrifice of joy is. Now you ask, what is coming, all right, and you are doing that right before God, and you enter into that place of rest concerning it, and you're worshipping him and all of that, and what, what you're doing at that point is, alright God, so what your program is, let it unfold, you know, and, and, and that's where they, and I'm going to show this next is we're doing here, that's the highest expression of faith in the New Testament. That's what, because it says you have a cloud of witnesses around you. Who did several things, said, but this is the race that is set before you. That race that is set before you gets to the point where it says, don't let those hands hang down. The chastisement of God is grievous, but it yields. a peaceable. In other words, that's where the real point is, that how do you handle all right, moments all right, like this? In other words, how do you do it? So it's important that you understand, all right, but let me tell you this, if you don't rehearse it, if you have not, now, it, look, listen, it doesn't matter how fast you run in your room. You know, one of the most sorrowful things I saw in sports, I mean, they showed the lady on, on DSTV, that's why I went to check it. So they show it, and she broke the world record and she didn't know. And she, if you don't say there's an advert, and then she turned around, and the person beside her was saying, you got the world record. And then she realized, I got the world record. But do you know that lady? She ran in a race with four other Americans who two weeks before they were... She, now, the Olympics was going to be in a few months' time. She that broke the world record was not going for the Olympics. Okay? Because the day of the Olympic trial, which is the day they decide who goes to run for America, something happened that day. And she didn't come top four. Two weeks after she was breaking the world record. But she wasn't going to the Olympics. Because the day it counted, something went wrong. Do, do you see how unfair it might sound? So, you, if, listen, but there is no way you can run well if you have not been rehearsing. But you've got to know the power of the moment. In other words, those patriarchs, when they were dying, understood the power of that moment. Isaac said, I'm blind now. This is the time to pronounce the blessing. Go and bring the venison that I love, that my soul may bless you. Do you know what the Bible says there? It says, that my soul may bless you. In other words, it wasn't just the mouth blessing. The soul blessed. And I saw that scripture, it says, if you draw back, God says, my soul shall have no pleasure. In other words, during that time, if you now pull back, the soul of God, in other words, is saying, when you give me the venison that I love there, is when, during that time where you should draw back, if you are now, then God's soul is stared. If Isaac could pronounce something from a stared soul, you, you know what Isaac was saying? Isaac was saying, uh, look, when I went, look, you have to understand spiritual things. Isaac was saying, the depth of this blessing cannot come out except you give me something that will make me happy. Let me see. 
one smart lady in this church. Immediately, <laughs> Liverpool won the UEFA Championship. Just put her a pass up. Now that you're happy, the stall we have been asking you for in Igomu, will you approve it? I said, okay, okay, I've approved it. <laughs> I said, yes, yeah, you, you Because you have been asking, you can be asking. I don't want to talk. That's why sometimes, you know, when women say a man is difficult, you don't know moments. <laughs> there are moments. Alright? If you ask tw- for 30 minutes before, no. 30 minutes after, no. At that moment. So, uh, it's scriptural, though. That's why you have to be wise. The Bible says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask. Alright? So, there are moments there. Can you imagine if Isaac pronounced? So, for God in heaven to soul to be steered towards a person, and for God to say, for this thing you have done, you will never know lack. You know that that's, even if you are trying to make a wrong decision, uh, you don't know. If you are trying to make a wrong decision, eh? as that's why you're working at that level, and you're going for a meeting, God will not let you get to that meeting. You won't. If there will be traffic, there will be traffic. Alright? If your tire will bust, your tire will bust. If, if they, that's no way, the person who's supposed to come for the meeting, something will happen in the house. They'll say, we're sorry, let's postpone the meeting. Just to give time to walk. But when God moves, so that moment, alright, is a very, very powerful. So it's not a time, and can you imagine the time of blessing is when people curse. You, you get what I'm saying? That's when people now cross. That's when people now get up and say, and you know, you know. Now let me just close with this. Let me just show this here. Go to Isaiah 29 here. And that's why sometimes when people tell testimonies, when you don't say it completely, then people now don't know what is going on. Because they feel it dropped down from heaven. So it says in Isaiah 29:16, Surely your turning of things upside down shall be esteemed as the potter's clay. For shall the work say to him that made me, he made me not. All right, or shall the thing that framed say he hath no understanding? It's the same thing. Can I have my phone here? The scripture someone sent to me from England who heard the message. Very powerful. When he says, Harden not your heart. Now it goes on and says uh, that they do always err and have not known my ways. Someone said in that scripture, it says, I think in Proverbs, it said, Give me your heart. And your eyes shall behold my ways. In other words, if you don't harden your heart, which is what happens at that point, and the hardness of the heart is, is not a process that totally happens at once. It's like Carlos is being some like things are being formed. It's a joint, all right. It's getting stiffer. Something happens, you don't deal with it. Something happens, you don't deal with it. An accumulation of things until it is hardened. So, truth about the matter is this. 
If that guy believed for that job and didn't get that job, went through all of that, was perplexed and dropped it and went home and thought nothing happened. Something was placed into that person's heart. If he doesn't go and worship God over that thing and see that thing through, right, that person has left with a hardened heart. Now, so what happens when you have a hardened heart is that that person sits down and the next time they are preaching and they talk about confession, the hardness of the heart, which means the receptivity to that message, dwindles. Because, all right, they didn't, they, they didn't see through. But if that person stays there and worships and says, God, something must come out of this. And, and, and understands that this is worship now. My body has a body and goes in and worships. And then something evolves out of it. What that does to that person is, I bet you, tell that person to go back and listen to the message they listen to, all right, and the scriptures that they read about confession. And after they get to that end and they look at it, they will realize that that message actually said it. They just didn't hear it. Because what is the product of hardness of heart? It says, your hearts have waxed gross such that you can no longer hear. When Paul said, he says, you now suffer from what's called dullness of hearing. It's the product of the hardness of the heart. Alright? So God says, give me your heart. In other words, trust the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. So when you give him your heart, you means that you are now trusting him when you don't understand. Now you got to the point where I actually I, I, I'm just praising you for what I actually cannot see how are you, this thing is going to happen again. It, it really doesn't. Now it made sense and I go that this will call me and this will happen but now it doesn't make sense again. Now I now begin. I know what that does for you. It delivers you from that sense of control. Look, if you are a controlling person, just check yourself. If you have to control people, that shows your level of spirituality. I don't care how long you play in tongues. If you are a controlling individual, which means I must control, I must control, I must control what's happening, I must control, I must control, I must control. It shows that you know you you really are not. It shows something about your level of spirituality there because. Uh, the fact of the matter is that the best things that have come into your life came when you lost control. So after you lost control, and you stayed there worshiping God, and and you know and and you worshipped God, and 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 just stayed there with Him, that that the major things, all right, began to happen. So so if it's and and then God begins, and and see so when when we get to that space, we just start worshiping Him. That's when we now begin to see. Alright? We just begin to see the hand of God in your life, which means he just begins to... Now, at that point, because you're worshipping him, it will be easy, very easy by practice we've seen that, to forgive everybody involved. Because you understand that you are in the hands of God. Alright? The scripture I was going to quote was Isaiah 45, when he talked about clay here. 
and verse um, put up Isaiah 45 from verse 9 to 12 and this one says woe to him that striveth with his maker uh, let the potsherd strive with the potsherd of the earth shall the clay say to him that fashioneth it what makest thou or thy work he hath no hands woe to him that saith unto his father what begest thou to the woman who has, what have thou brought forth he now said, Thus hear the Lord of Israel, ask of me things to come concerning my sons, and concerning the work of my hands, command ye me. Verse 12. He says, I have made the earth, I have created man, even my hands, I have stretched out the heavens, and all their hosts have I commanded. In other words, when you get to that point, he says, somewhere else he says, it's, uh, now put it, put, put up, I want to show something, put up from verse 10. He says, What to him that Strives um, to the woman. And, okay, verse 9. It says, What to him that strives with his what? Maker. So you are striving, and worship is about your maker. Uh, you, are, you are dealing with that. But the scripture I also want to show is put up, so it says, What to him shall portrait strive with the portrait of the earth, shall declare to him that fashioneth it. And then put up verse 11. And then it says, verse 11, Thus said the Lord, all right, the Holy One of Israel, and his what? Maker. Ask of me things to come. Now, put up Jeremiah 33, verse 2 and 3. And I'll close with this. Jeremiah 33. Thus said the Lord God, the maker thereof, the Lord that formed it to establish it. The Lord is his name. Verse 3. Call unto me, and I will answer thee. And show the great and mighty things which thou knowest not. He said, Ask. So the Bible says, Count all joy, fall in diverse temptation. Let patience have its perfect work, that it may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. But if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask. And as you're going through it, he says, I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. So they are mighty things, except you say you know. They are great and mighty things you do not know. Alright? So, if you don't know, you don't know. Alright? So, if I'm taking you now to a place called Traktruka in Oyo State, you don't know the place. So, if I say we are going to Traktruka, whatever way I go, is you follow so what God is saying is where you are going you don't know your only chance of getting there is you follow him do you get what I'm saying here and if it's a new place then it's a new way so if you say you are going to a higher level then you don't know the way there so God will turn and when he turns do you know what it is for If, let's say you enter even a cab, a taxi, and it says we are going to so and so place. Okay? And suddenly the cabman turns to a road you have never seen. And then turns again. Ah, you, what's going on here? Where are you going to say, I know this shortcut? Shortcut. All of your antennas are now out, looking out of window. Right? So what God is saying, and then you can, you can, you can actually, you can, if there's no hold up on the right one, you will tell him to go back to the uh, 
I watch his apparel. Go take me back to where I know. So many times God turns and you have that feeling in life. And that's why he said, they, you, they, they continued not when I took them by the hand. So he's the one driving now. He turns. You say, look, this is your journey. <laughs> I don't know where you're going. Park. That's what you are doing. I'm coming down. So you come down and continue walking. Because this car, I don't understand. These turnings he's taking, they are strange. What I'm trying to say is that anywhere you're going to that is new will take you through strange experiences. All right? So that psalm is not what you say, it's what you live. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Are you, you understand what I'm saying? Now, as fully grown as you are, if you go through those tunnels where creatures appear, you know, like those guys of Disneyland, and you're going, you're doing the dark, and you just say, Right? I you see that? All right, things almost real, like a shark comes out. That's the valley of the shadow of death. All right? So, you just imagine the kind of journey you are going through. You get home now. I say there's no light. You open your house, you just hear sounds. Crop! Crop, crop, crop! Now, that is the valley of shadow of death. You are hearing sounds. Crop! From the radio just starts playing. <laughs> I mean, I saw something. This was this was in America. Somebody, some neighbors called. Said person called that there were burglars, thieves in the house. So they called the police. So the police came. You no, know, and so the police wanted to make sure. So they pushed on the head. This house. So they moved back. Called back up. Okay? And had their shields with thought and everything. And then eventually broke up. Came with megaphone. Come out now with your hands up. We give you three minutes. If you don't come out, another. After three minutes, the sound continued. This chap didn't come out, or the people. So they broke down the door with torchlights, pulled their gun. Everybody was in position. You know, everybody saw him. You checked the window, all of that. Apparently, it was an animal that jumped into the. <laughs> So the animal was running around. So they were just hearing sounds in the kitchen from kitchen. So as the deer came out, stand down, stand down. Stand down. All right. So sometimes that's how you walk through. All right. You know what it is to be perplexed? Don't just read it up. You know what it is perplexed? To be perplexed means, ah. All right. This is, ah, ah. All right. That's you are perplexed. Okay. And you go through that. But he says, we having the same spirit of faith. We believe, therefore we speak. So at that moment, you don't cry. Even if you cry, just cry more. <laughs> now, listen. Listen to this. You know the Bible says, be angry or sin not. So you cannot say someone should not be angry. What he says you should not say. That sin is don't say anything. Are you following me? So you can be angry, but don't talk. Because it's when you talk that you now cause damage. So if you cry, I just cry and say, just cry. But don't say anything. 
because those are judgments coming out of your mouth. I'm just going to say that that moment is a powerful moment. When you are dying is when life. So don't miss that moment. Alright? Don't miss that moment. When somebody says something negative to you is the time you can get free of men's opinions from you. Can, can be free if you say the right thing. Next time somebody says something else, it doesn't affect you as it used to affect you. That's, that's, that's a moment. Alright? It's a moment. Okay? So it's a blessed moment. It's an anointed moment. Alright? It's a very powerful moment there. Alright? That comes in. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you. By the power of your spirit, we ask that you establish us in this truth and cause it to take root in our consciousness in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818 600 0082. God bless you.